Thanks for being here this morning. If you have a Bible, turn or look it up on your phone to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 7 through 18 this morning. We've been going through the book of 2 Corinthians um, and just spending some time. The, the, the book of 2 Corinthians is all about strength in weakness, and Paul's uh, expressing that to us. And 2 Corinthians 4 is one of the great chapters of this book. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18, says this. I'm actually going to start in verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, persecuted but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are not always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak. I know that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, thanks this morning for your word. Lord, thanks for the ability to hear your word, to freely share your word. Lord, just thanks for the grace that it is to us. Lord, thanks for this church, and I pray that you would help us this morning as we are just looking about not being in despair, that you would give us the grace and the hope that we need, that your Holy Spirit would teach us, that you would encourage us. God, you would just lift our hearts to you and pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I don't know if I'm sure many of you saw the last few weeks uh, in the Suez Canal, there was the big barge evergreen that got stuck for a number of weeks. It was going through, it was massive, and it got, it got stuck. They couldn't do anything about it, backed up. The whole world uh, was watching this, and then they saw this picture, and 28-year-old uh, Abdul 
Abdul Gawad, 20 years old, got on his excavator and tried to start moving some dirt so that they could try to refresh it. And the internet just went wild by this. Memes were all over the place uh, about this is life and this is me. This is uh, life in the last uh, year and this is me. And 28-year-old did not know all this. The whole world was making memes about this, making stories about this, that he was stuck in this situation. Uh, He didn't like it that people were talking about this. He said it it motivated him to move harder, but he says this is, many people saw this picture and said, yeah, that's how I feel. Uh, This big barge is in the way. I'm stuck. I'm not sure what to do, and I'm just this little excavator trying to get my way through it. And the possibility of despair, and the possibility of losing heart. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is responding to a church that he helped start, so many people come to faith. They saw them struggle, and then they started to attack him. They didn't understand where he was coming from, and they were criticizing him, and he's responding to them, and has responded to them a number of times. And, and in this chapter alone, with all the things he's going on, he starts out in verse 4, verse 1. He says, Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. And in verse 8, 16, he says, after saying a bunch of things, he says, so we do not lose heart. And in the middle, he's giving and demonstrating how we as followers of Christ do not have to lose heart. We, we in life, may feel like The Suez Canal of your life is stuck. There's a barge in the way. You may feel like an excavator trying to get it out and trying to figure out how to get out of it. Paul felt that way. The Apostle Paul struggled with this constantly. In his life, he had weakness. He had sickness. He had hardship, pressure, failure, frustrations, disappointments, anxieties, injuries. This made up his life. He talks about it more in 2 Corinthians than any other book, a very personal book of what he dealt with on a regular basis, even in this passage. And I think personally, if we would have met the Apostle Paul, his natural personality would have been to go to discouragement and depression. If you look at how he lived his life, Jesus had to come to him in person for him to turn. Angels came to him later on after all his struggles. He had, this, he had this heavenly vision, the Bible says. So clearly God knew that this was a guy who needed some extra help to see things. And as he talks about his despair and discouragement, he said earlier in this passage that he was at the point, even in 1 Corinthians 1, he was, at, he was almost at the point of despairing of life itself. With all the things that he went through, this great apostle of the faith, I think his base personality was a little bit on, on discouragement and depression, and he had to fight through this on a regular basis. And here's what he did not have to help him do that. He didn't have Christian radio. He didn't have any Christian apps on his phone. He had, he had no devotional app that he could look up every day. He didn't have Right Now Media that he could go to. He had no access to millions of books from centuries of Christians that had been written about suffering and difficulty and suffering and saints that he could order and get within 24 hours. And he really had no church that didn't have a lot of issues. But he had a faith that God helped him 
through very great difficulties, so he would say, let's not lose heart. He had a full faith that Jesus Christ was Lord that kept him from losing faith. And the same truth that sustained the Apostle Paul is the same truth that sustains us. So how do you not lose heart as a Christian who proclaims that Jesus Christ is Lord. I think in 2 Corinthians 4, he gives us at least three ways to describe this. He, he describes it, he says, by, we don't lose heart by looking deeply at dwell, what dwells in you. We don't lose heart by looking directly at what extends grace through you. And you don't lose heart by looking diligently at what awaits you. First, look at how do you not lose heart through the struggles of life? First, you do it by looking deeply at what dwells in you. Paul says in verse 7, well, we have this treasure in jars of clay. And then he makes this comparison. Treasure in jars of clay, which, which is to tell us what, there's, there's a truth about us. Many, many people, the problem is we, either, we think too highly of ourselves or we think too lowly of ourselves. And Paul comes to us in this passage, he says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. This was nothing back then. Jars of clay were just what they used. Any excavation site has jars of broken, cracked pots from ancient Israel, ancient ancient Corinth. It's everywhere. These were just little pieces of clay. They were fragile. They were inferior. They were expendable. He, He was saying, this is what we are left to ourselves in a sense. We are just jars of clay. We're like Casey's coffee cups. They, they hold things, but nobody thinks about it. Nobody, nobody invites you over and says, hey, have you seen my collection of Casey's coffee mugs? Uh, we, we save these here. We, we wash these. We don't, we, we, they're just discarded. And Paul says, this is, this is what we have. We, we have this treasure in jars of clay. There's a truth about us. He's talking about life uh, this are, this are on our bodies. But inside that, we have this treasure. And he says, as followers of Christ, we are to look deeply at what dwells in you. What is the treasure? It's this. It's the light that is shown in, out of darkness, has shown into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, the treasure that we have inside of us. Left to ourselves, we are just fragile, inferior, expendable to us in a sense. But what we have in us is a treasure that the God of creation, if you're a follower of Christ, he opened up your eyes to see Jesus, who he, who, who he is, the gospel. That you have in you, Christ is in you. It's this power that the Bible talks about that Paul was not afraid of. He was not ashamed of. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The treasure that's in you is Jesus. Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is in you. And Jesus is the transforming power of people's lives and of your life. And Paul says that treasure is hidden in jars of clay. It's, It's not so easy to see. And it's given in fragile pieces of human beings that seem like nothing, that seem inferior, that seem frustrated, that have problems. But it's given in you, if you're a Christian, to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. 
which is why we are called to preach Christ and God opens blind eyes. Because left to ourselves, we look at ourselves, we look at other people, and we just seem like the, the, it's, we're falling apart. We, we, we age. We lose energy. We lose our spunk. And Paul says this was God's design. It's, it's designed that way to show the surpassing power of God, that God puts the treasure of the gospel, he puts the power of God in fragile human beings who are inferior to show his power is done through weakness. And he talks about the trouble that comes with that. He, he talks about it as, as this, when he talks about the death of Jesus, he's, he's just talking about this process of dying. Life for Paul just looked like dying. He was constantly under pressure, constantly being persecuted, constantly being attacked, constantly struggling with anxieties and frustrations. And he called it the death of Jesus, this process of dying. He said there was, we're, we're, we're afflicted, but we're not crushed. We're, we're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. And the but is very important in that, because we feel the first part. Someone put it this way, we are squeezed, but not squashed. We're bewildered, but not befuddled. We're pursued, but not abandoned. We're knocked down, but knocked out. That's how we feel in life, don't we? We, we struggle with all those things. But the power of the gospel, that as you look what's in you, if you say, well, I've got to do this on my own, you'll, you'll, you'll be crushed. Because left to ourselves, we're fragile, we're expendable, we're, we're inferior. But what is in us, when we look what is in us, the treasure of the gospel, Jesus Christ in us, and that God works in that in unbelievable ways, it is like a tether for us when you feel like your life has got a barge stuck in it and you're not making any progress. Someone put it, the reason he wanted us to know this he says, God wants, Paul wanted those who see him, who saw this guy who was weak, bald, struggling, probably had an eyesight problem, constantly struggling with pain and frustration and discouragement, but he knew what was in him. And Garland said, he, he wanted those who see him only as crushed, despairing, forsaken, or destroyed to take a closer look. All his suffering has not destroyed him. Not because he has made himself immune to it, but because he rests, he rests secure in the hands of God who upholds him. He faces rejection and dejection, but nothing will ever ultimately defeat him or destroy him because of God's love and power. If you feel like you can't be used by God because if you look at yourself and you just feel like, I don't have any talents, I've made so many mistakes. I just can't quite keep it together. And you feel like God can't use me. You feel like you are just a, a coffee cup from Casey's that God can just toss away because if there's no value there. That's not true. The power of the gospel, if you're a Christian, is in you. Jesus is in you, and his strength is made perfect in weaknesses. That's the way he designed it. He made it that way. Back in the 1800s, 1700s, there was a pastor in Kentucky named James, James McGreedy. And Kentucky at that time 
was anybody who killed, stole, or made any crime out east, they would run to Kentucky. It was just a wasteland of crime, criminals, and trouble. And James McCrady said when he got to Kentucky, he said, pastoring him in Kentucky is weeping with the people of God. Because there is so much pain, so many problems, so much frustration. But James McGrady was ugly. He was physically ugly. He was so ugly, people would say, that they would walk, they'd see James McGrady walking down the street and they, and they would say, they would just be appalled by it. They would, they would physically respond to his looks. And they would say, who is that guy? What does he do? And somebody would say, he's, he's a preacher. And they would say, well, he must have something to say. Because if he didn't have something to say, he, he, he should never walk outside. He should never be seen. He was absolutely physically ugly. His outer shell was a jar of clay. But he was a man of prayer, and God used him to start the Great Awakening in Kentucky where thousands of people came to faith by this ugly pastor who wept with the people of God. If you, if you say, I don't think God can use me. I don't feel like I have any talents. And you start to feel to lose heart. Look deeply at what dwells in you. What dwells in you is the treasure it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what makes the difference then in the life of the Apostle Paul or even in James and McCrady that, that they did not succumb to despair because either one of them could have come to despair. It's not worth it. It's, I'm, I'm tired of people gawking at me. I'm tired of people not thinking that I am able to do what I'm called to do, which was what Paul was being attacked at. And he was doing this in Corinth. Which Corinth was a massive city. You know how big the church they believe at Corinth was? They believe, historians believe that the church in Corinth was about 40 people to about 200 people, somewhere in that range. You know how big Corinth was? It was a city of 100,000 to 600,000. And Paul walks into that city with the boldness to say to these 40 to 200 people, listen, we have in us what the world needs. We have in us the treasure. We have the Jesus Christ. And he believed with great faith that they could change that city, in a city that believed all about shine and all about bravado and all about making things look good, Paul walks in, this weak, frail man, to a very weak, frail group and says, look deep, we have the treasure of God, we have the gospel in us. And God can use us, do not lose heart. So we need to look directly at what dwells in you if you start to feel like, I, I don't think I can be used by God. If you're a follower of Christ, look at the treasure that's in you. Yeah, you're a jar of clay, but God can use you. And then look directly at what extends God's grace through you. Verse 15, Paul says, For it is all for your sake. Everything he's gone through, he says, For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. How is that possible for Paul? How did he do it? He says, I'm always carrying around in my body the death. My life looks like death. I'm sick all the time. I'm frustrated. I'm, I, there's anxieties. There's pressures. My life looks like death. Why would anybody look at my life and say, that's what I want? But they did. And they could because of what was in 
Paul, the treasure that he had, and he did it so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And how did he do it? He says in verse 13, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, which is what Harriet read in Psalm 116. He quotes a a one line. From Psalm 116, he quotes a line from David's psalm, who when he was going through great struggles, and David says, I believed, even though I'm suffering, that God will deal with it. He trusted in this faith, and he had, as Paul did, Paul had the Holy Spirit. He relied on him, since we have the same spirit of faith. Paul relied on the Holy Spirit to do this. He, he was accomplished through what Christ did into him. He, he, he read Scripture. He had the confidence of Scripture. And I believe Paul had the gift of faith through, through all the struggles that he was given. He had the gift of faith to, to walk through all these struggles and say, I'm going to rely on God. And then he released that through the work of the Holy Spirit, which is what you're called to do. Look directly at what God extends grace and how he extends grace through you. Rely on the Holy Spirit and release the work of the Holy Spirit. Search the scriptures. Everybody in this room, if you're a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit has given you a gift. The Bible talks about these gifts of the Spirit, 1 Peter 4.10, and as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's stewards of God's varied grace. There's nobody in this room who's a follower of Jesus Christ, who has the Holy Spirit in them, this gospel treasure, who God has not gifted in some way. And he wants you to rely on it. He wants you to find it. And he wants you to use it. As you walk out of the service today in the back table, we have these, these papers. It's a spiritual gifts inventory. I have a relationship with Glen Ellen Bible Church, the pastor, Kelly Brady over there in Glen Ellen, and this was on their website, and he's always said, if we, if we can use something, use it. And so I discovered it, and I printed it out for us, and, and I just want you to say, you know, you say, I don't know where God has for me. I don't know what God's doing, how, he, how I'm supposed to be releasing the work of the Holy Spirit in you. I, I'm going to encourage you to grab one of these, follow through. It's not a test. You just ask some questions, you, you read it, and you pray, ask God, hey, God, reveal to me, where are you gifting me? Maybe you've never had this conversation with yourself before. Maybe you've never thought about it. How has God gifted you? And just follow through. There's a way that explains it on the back, and there's a list, there's scriptures on there. You just, take, you just answer the questions, and you, you, you follow through, and then it will show you, hey, this is where you seem to be where God has directed your life and God has directed you. A spiritual gift is not some natural ability that you have. It's not some talent. It's a, spirit, it's a gift that God has given you. That, that means that just because you're really organized doesn't mean that administration is your spiritual gift. That just may be your personality. So a spiritual gift is something that God has given you. Now, I would encourage you, pick it up, Sit down, go through it. Hopefully what it will do is it will spark something in you where you will say, what, what does God want me to do? I've talked to a number of people that are I'm, I'm kind of bored. I feel like I'm stuck. I don't know where God's calling me. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. It might be because you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you. You're not allowing him to work his grace through you. You, you might not even know where he's gifted you. And what I hope is, as you walk out, pick these up, take it down, this week, do it this week, it'll spark a conversation in your brain, 
Maybe they'll spark a conversation with calling me and saying, hey, this is where I think God is. I didn't know this was, I didn't know this was my gift. I didn't know this is where God might be using it. How, how can we use this? Who, who can I go with this for? As each has received a gift and used it to serve one another as God's stewards of God's varied grace. So look directly at what, what it extends God's grace through. How, how has God been using you? Search the scripture, see the spiritual gift, and then seek to be involved. Pick this up. But also what I'm going to encourage you to do practically this week is for the last about three weeks in the Wednesday Word and yesterday's email, I put a link to this series on, on how to build your church. It is, a, it is a from Nine Marks Ministry. It's a list of articles that came out in March, about 29 articles about how you as a person in the church, who, how can God use you? What's your responsibilities? How to be a part of actively serving and following what the leading of the Holy Spirit's doing in your church for you? How to build your church for the glory of God to be used. This is what Paul was doing in 2 Corinthians. He's trying to build this church. I just encourage you, take one of those, start reading them. Maybe read one a day. There's 29 of them, about 30 of them. And see how God might use it to encourage you. And then rest in it. Look directly where God has extended his grace. And then he calls us to rest in it. Paul, I believe, had the gift of faith through all the struggles, but he said he did it for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. If you're a Christian and Jesus Christ is in you, the goal of your life is to be used for his glory, the way he has called you to be used. And it might actually be the way you wish it was, but it's the way God has called you. And when he calls you, then you find out what his will for you is, find the direction, you start moving in that direction, and then you rest in it. Michael Horton said this in his book, Core Christianity, Finding Yourself in God's Story. He says, go with the set of gifts and sense of God's pleasure that fits with your life right now. Don't worry about the other callings, especially those that may lie in the future. Just be who God has called you to be right here where you are, with the people he has called you to serve. You will make a difference, but life is not about making a difference. It is about doing what God has made you to do so that you can be a conduit of his love and service to others. So look directly at what God ex- where God extends his grace through you. And don't lose heart. This is what Paul did. He says, so, after all these things, after I saw the treasure that's in me, he says, after I followed the Holy Spirit and, 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 and used the gift of faith that I've been given, it was to extend grace more and more. So we don't lose heart. Why did he say that? Because he still has got to live in a broken world. He's still got to suffer. He's still got to endure. So then look diligently at what awaits you. He says, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction... That's how he described all that he went through. All the beatings, all the shipwrecks, all the struggles, all the anxieties, all the pressures. His definition of his life was for this light, 
momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This is not a denial of earthly realities. There are frustrations in faith. There are difficulties. There are struggles. It's not a denial of earthly realities. It is a demonstration of gospel reality. It's a demonstration of being renewed. And he's saying this is, look diligently. Look diligently at what awaits you. There's a direct deposit of gracious glory given to you. He says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Nothing's being wasted in your life. Your frustrations, your fears, your anxieties, your pressures, your disappointments, your pain, your suffering, because you are in Christ, as you walk through them, none of them are being wasted. They're, they're preparing for you this eternal weight of glory that's beyond all comparison. There's no way to even describe it, he says. This, this is what he was looking for. He was diligently looking for what awaited him so he didn't lose hope because he knew all the struggle was preparing him this weight of glory. Nothing was being wasted in his life. You're so, if you're sick, it's not being wasted. If you're frustrated at work, it's not being wasted. If you're going through difficulties in your family, they're not being wasted. If you see Jesus Christ in them and desire to walk in his grace through them. Farewell to Shadowlands is the title of C.S. Lewis's last chapter of his last book in the series, The Chronicles of Narnia, which is a story, but it's a story that pictures in many ways the Christian life. And at the end of that book, in the Farewell to Shadowlands, it closes with, in all their life in this world, and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. That's what we long for. That's what we have in Christ. Because of the treasure that's in you, the difficulties you're facing right now, what you have to look forward to is that in the future, there's a weight of glory, and every day, thousands of years from now, it's going to be better than the day before. We do not lose hope, because to the degree that you look at that gospel hope, that reality, you will not and do not have to despair. Don't lose hope, because one day, Every day is going to be better than the day before for the follower of Christ. Your word, your 
goes down 